Wow. They, uh, that song got in my head this week. Uh, I listened to it, and every morning I'd wake up, and it was in my head. I'm like, wow. So, uh, well, we've been uh, looking at it. The it breaks God's heart. And it can reduce you. And it seduces you. It will keep you from growing in your life. It will leave you wanting, empty. In fact, it'll mess you up. And the evil one will use it to steal and to kill and to destroy. We said Jesus came. Jesus came to confront it, to challenge it, to defeat it. And because of Jesus Christ, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have the power to overcome it. You know, we've been looking at different hits each week. We've been looking at things that grieve God's heart. And the it that we're going to look at today is spiritual pride. You know, shortly after uh, Cindy and I got married, I would promised her I, that I was not going back into ministry. And uh, <laughs> anyway, we, we, we ended up uh, in ministry, and uh, she was good with that. But uh, anyway, uh, she had never heard me preach. Now, what you need to know to kind of preface this was Cindy was a high school English teacher for several years. She wasn't at the time, but that was her area of interest and her area of expertise. So every Sunday after, after the service was over, she would hand me a bulletin, and it was written all over. She had taken notes during the message, but it had a lot of stuff like words I misused, uh, tenses, structure, grammar. Uh, you know, sometimes she would write, that is not a word. And every once in a while to this day, she'll go, were you raised by wolves? You know, and, you know, sometimes the, the bulletin would be totally covered. And so I would debrief with her after service. And to be honest, uh, it was a little bit overwhelming to me. I, I couldn't process all, all the stuff that she wanted me to work on. And um, so I said, honey, pick one thing, one thing, and I'll work on it this month. And as she would tell you, I would work on that one thing, but then when I got the new thing, I'd go back to the old thing, you know. So, but uh, I, I was a work in progress. I still am. But uh, anyway, I started uh, seminary, and I was working on my Master of Divinity at the time, and I had a paper to write. And so I had done my research, I'd worked really hard, and I was pretty much completed with what I was going to turn in, and I thought, you know, I really should have Cindy take a look at it. And so several hours later, she brings it back to me. It looked like a war zone. I mean, it's bleeding red. Now, I was young, okay? I was young and not near as wise as I am today, all right? So I was aggravated, and I, I said, I didn't ask you to rewrite my paper. I just wanted a little input, to which she said, I had a lot more input. This is the stuff that you've got to work on. You really need to address this stuff. And now, now I'm really annoyed, and I go, I will never ask you to proof another paper for me. And I went downstairs to my office, 
wadded it up and threw it in the trash. Well, when I got my paper back, the professor, it looked like a war zone again. <laughs> and, the, and the professor, I remember him writing, he goes, you have some good ideas, but the next time, please proofread it beforehand. <laughs> so I had another paper to do. In fact, I had a lot of papers uh, through, through the years. I knew I needed Cindy to proof it. And so I took it to her and I, I said, I need you to look at this. And she gave me the look. You, you know what I'm talking about. Like, I said, you know, I need you to look at this. She goes, I thought you said you never needed me to look at your papers again. I said, well, I'm sorry. I do need help. To which my loving, grace-filled wife says, could you please repeat that? I'm not sure I heard you correctly. All right, how many of you have been there? <laughs> I, I have been there many, many times in my life. The fact is, uh, I think the scripture's absolutely correct. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That song by Billy Joel, um, Big Shot. Friends, it gets at it. It, it speaks to it. it. It is raw truth. You had to be a big shot, didn't you? Now our scripture passage today, Jesus is gonna look us in the eye and he's gonna address an issue. And, and it's raw and he gets right to it. He tells a story about two guys. He tells one of them's a Pharisee. He's a religious leader. He's a big shot. The other one is a tax collector. They, they're at the temple. They've come there to pray to God. And Luke the apostle kind of uh, prefaces the parable and it gives us this little editorial comment at the beginning. He says, to some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. The parable is directed at a spiritual big shot. I, I think Luke gives us this preface because he's warning us a little bit. He's saying this story is gonna take an unexpected twist. And so I would encourage you to buckle up and hold on to your seats this morning because spiritually, if you're trusting in yourself, if you think you have it all together, if you feel really good about who you are and what you do, well, I'd just say, big shot, listen up. Yeah. The Pharisees considered themselves righteous. They made a point of letting the crowd know it. You know, I believe the right things. I do the right things. I'm right before God and so they had this big shot view of themselves. And here's the kicker. They viewed other people with kind of contempt, so to speak. And Jesus is going to take on this really destructive attitude because Jesus understood that our relationship with God cannot be separated from our relationship with other people. They're connected. You get that? 
the vertical is always connected to the horizontal. Jesus said, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The, the Pharisees believed that they were the good guys. They believed that they, they were the religious leaders of the day, that everyone should look to them. There, there were uh, 613 laws in the Old Testament. Pharisees knew every single one of those laws. And they followed them to the T, or, or at least publicly, they, they pretended or presented themselves as though they had. They were respected in the community. They were, they were seen as spiritual role models. In fact, they were seen as the spiritual standard to shoot for. Tax collectors, on the other hand, were seen as crooked, corrupt, and the fact is they were. They were that. You know, after uh, conquering uh, the Jewish people, the, the Roman government put a heavy tax on the people. And they used that tax to fund their, their projects, their expansions of the Roman Empire. And so t tax collectors were given a great amount of authority. And they were known to take the required amount, like if you had X amount due for taxes, they would jack it up and they would collect more and they'd put that money in their pocket. The Roman government not only knew it, they were okay with it, they didn't care. And so tax collectors got really, really rich, but they were also very despised and they were hated. So you got these two guys, you got a Pharisee and a tax collector. They go to talk to God, they go to have prayer. One is a good guy and one's a bad guy. It's a very common theme in stories, isn't it? It's Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader and Star Wars. There's a good guy and there's a bad guy. It says the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers. Now he singles somebody out. Or even like this tax collector. You notice he distanced himself from the crowd. He's praying. It's kind of a spiritual big shot move, I, I would say, because he's very, very bold about what he has to say. He's very brazen. Uh, spiritually, he, he begins to boast. He says, I, I fast twice a week, give a tenth of all I get. You know, God, God, I thank you. I thank you that I'm not like everybody else. Thank you, I'm not like that. You know, thank you for, for making me who I am. You know, thank you that I'm able to do all the right things when other people can't do the right things. You know, thank you that I'm better than all the people around me. And he's making sure the crowd knows it. He wants them to know he's just a little bit better. Look at me, look at me, aren't I great? The dis despite his kind of lofty opinion, I, I was thinking about this when I read it, 
in all fairness, the Pharisee had a lot going for him. I mean, by age 12, anybody that was a Pharisee had memorized the first five books of the Bible. Think about that. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. He'd memorized them, not the names. He'd memorized every single word. You know, verse, chapter, you know, every word of it. But something shifted in him. I mean, he, he was a scholar of God's word. He was doing a lot of things right. But this shift takes place in him, and he goes from being, being looking at his life and going, you know what, everything I have in my life's a gift from God. Here's the shift. He starts viewing himself as a gift to God. And I think before we judge the Pharisee, because it's real easy to go, ooh, what a horrible person. I might suggest to you today that there's a little Pharisee in you, because I know there is in me. You know, instead of, thank God, I, I get to be in a church like this. You know, thank you, God, that I get to see you move and work in, in, in people's lives. It, it's kind of, here I am, God. Here I am. Take a look at me. Aren't I great? I mean, God, aren't you impressed? I'm present today. I participate. I've got a lot of biblical knowledge. I volunteer. I, 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 I'm generous. I'm looking pretty good. See, I think it is easy to move to a point in your life where you stop seeing the good things in your life as gifts from God and you start seeing yourself as a gift to God. It's a subtle shift. It's spiritual pride. And friends, it is damaging and it is destructive. See, when, when spiritual pride takes root, it brings about some attitudes in us that mess us up, like an attitude of self-sufficiency in our life. You know, we get the, this attitude, and pretty soon we've got a big shot mentality. I mean, we don't like calling it that, but that is what it is. You know, I got, I got what it takes. You know, I, I was saved when I was a young child. I, I've been going to church my whole life. I mean, look at all the good things I've done. I, I'm good, I've, I've got this. You know, and then pretty soon that, that mentality begins to spread, and guess what? We become very self-important. You know, I'm valuable. Look, look what I do. You know, I come to church regularly, I volunteer, I, I lead a ministry, I, I study my Bible, I, I give faithfully, I pray, I do a lot of things. And friends, if you're not careful, what happens is you begin to develop a big shot mentality, self-sufficient, you know, self-important. Because I am who I am. I'm worthy. I'm worthy. I mean, we may not say it, but friends, we think it. We think it. Here's how it goes. 
If everybody was like me, this church would be awesome, wouldn't it? Oh God, you're so lucky. <laughs> and, and that inward emotion in us leads to an outward expression that I would suggest seeps if it's not held in check somewhere. You know, see, spiritual pride, it's a subtle thing. And it seduces you little by little, but make no mistake about it, it's destructive and it'll mess you up. You know, when I uh, turned 16, I got my first car, and it was an Oldsmobile Delta 88. How many of you remember that car? All right. I called her Big Blue. You know why? Because that car was big as a boat, and it guzzled gas, and, and the paint job on this car, was, it was so faded. It, it, it had no shine whatsoever. Had, had some rust on the back quarter panels. The fenders were all pitted. Uh, my parents said it was a character builder. And so when I drove that car, I did not want anybody to see me in it. You know, I would park away and walk, walk to the buildings and stuff because I, I didn't want people to see me in it. And so I saved my money. I was working at Kroger at the time. I, I saved my money, and I bought a two-year-old Toyota Celica GT loaded up. Steeler yellow, black racing stripe on it. I had mag wheels, four-speed manual. And then, then I got a stereo system in it. I put clip speakers and the subs and the amps in it. It was amazing sound. I'd drive around, it didn't matter, I'd unroll the windows, get the sunroof off, and I would jam out. A song like Renegade, you would hear me coming blocks away. You know, it, it was thumping, man. I wasn't hiding anymore. I'd whip around the parking lot two or three times, make sure people saw me. Yeah, it's me, woo-hoo-hoo, yeah, check me out. What changed? You go, well, the car. Well, obviously. But the real shift was an inner emotion in me. And it led to a different outward expression. And here's the truth, friends. Spiritual pride works the same way. You know, when, you, when you're feeling that, that emotion in you, that emotion like the Pharisee, that inward emotion, if you don't put it in check, it leads to an outward expression. And what you find is you start saying things and doing things that you normally wouldn't want to be connected with or associated with. I mean, here's a big shot kind of uh, mentality, comparing. Did you see the clothes she wore? I can't believe she wore those to church. How sleazy. You know, talk, talk about inappropriate. She ought to learn to dress like me. Oh, sure, they, they volunteer. They, they cook once in a while. They, they, they do some cleaning. They, they assist once in a while with stuff. I mean, that's all fine and great, 
But you know what? I lead a ministry. I teach. You know, not everybody's as gifted. Not everybody can lead and teach. Can, can you believe their, their child? I mean, their child doesn't know the story about Jonah. I mean, what kind of parents are they? I, I read to my kids all the time. They know all the stories. Friends, why do we compare? Might I suggest that it's easier to elevate ourselves? add value to ourselves by pushing other people down than by actually dealing with ourselves? And here's another one. This one will keep you far from God. Doesn't seem like it, but it will. I'm a good person. In fact, I know a lot of Christians and well, honestly, I'm a lot better than them. So, so spiritually, I'm okay. I mean, maybe, maybe your issue is you're an expert. You're an expert at spotting and pointing out other people's faults. And I wonder, well, why is that? Why is that? Because it's easier to focus on their faults than to allow God to help you change your own faults faults and the things in your life that need to be addressed. See, maybe, maybe it's about find, not finding fault, but maybe it's about, hey, look at me, you know, look at me. It's a quest to, to be liked, you know, and it, it's not just something that happens on, you know, from our tweets or our, our posts or whatever, but the reality is we, we want to be liked, and we're more concerned about being liked than, than pleasing God. And we talked about that a couple weeks ago. That leads down a really dangerous path, a very destructive path. But whatever it is, it's bold, it's brazen, and it makes us feel better about ourselves. Hmm, big shot. I don't like that I don't like that term. Here's what I suspect. Most of us, if we find ourselves dealing with spiritual pride, we're willing to be honest about it. It's not because we woke up one morning, looked at our life, and we go, man, I am something. I am awesome. I mean, maybe, maybe there's a few here that you're killing it in every area. You've got it all together. You know, spiritually, you're on fire. And, and I will say, if that's you, great. But here's what I believe happens. I think most of us struggle with, with spiritual pride because we woke up one morning and we looked at our lives and we realized that we do not have it together and that we're not all that awesome. And so what we do is we spend a lot of time and a lot of energy trying to convince people, trying to convince God, trying to convince ourselves that we're okay. See, spiritual pride's an issue, and it's destructive. You know, ultimately, the, the problem of spiritual pride's this. Because we're full of ourselves, 
there's no room for God in our lives. See, the Pharisee, he's like, I got it all together. I'm better than these people. And there wasn't any room for God in his life. And friends, Jesus offers a better way. And I love the way the New Living translates this. It says, but the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, oh God, be merciful to me, for I'm a sinner. God, have mercy. God, I, I do not deserve anything. You know, don't, don't give me justice. Don't give me what I deserve. God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. And this tax collector understands one really, really important thing, and don't miss this, that if he doesn't have God in his life, if God doesn't intervene, if God's not working, his life is hopeless and he's in trouble. You know, under Jewish law, if someone wanted to get right with God again, there was a way for this tax collector to get right. You know how? He could pay back every penny he had ever collected, plus 20%. Who, who could do that? It was impossible. And so this tax collector cries out to God and says, God, have mercy on me. I am a sinner. I need you. And Jesus drives the point home. He says, I tell you, this sinner. See, this is where it twisted. Not the Pharisee returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be what? Humbled. And those who humble themselves will be what? Exalted. When we're full of ourselves, there's no room for God. The, the big shot mentality leaves you wanting. It leaves you empty. But when we humble ourselves and empty ourselves of ourselves, see, like the tax collector, we're now in a perfect position to be filled with God's grace. See, spiritual pride will keep you far from God. Spiritual pride will keep you from experiencing the power of God in your life. And here's what I know. Some of you are facing stuff in your life. You're facing problems and situations, and you don't know how to fix it. And it's exhausting. It's maddening, isn't it? The fact is, this stuff gets in our head, and it just messes us up. You know, for some of you, it may be an adult child, and you're thinking, you know, we, we did the best we could as parents. I think we did a good job, but it didn't turn out like we planned. And the fact is, now you look, and they're in a place that you never would have set up for them. And you sit there and go, I don't, I don't know what to do. 
I don't know, I don't know how to fix it. You know, maybe, maybe you're looking at your finances these days and they're a shamble. You know, you're in a situation you certainly never intended to get there, but you look at it and you have no idea how to fix it or to get out of it. Or maybe, maybe you're in a relationship and you look at it and you go, it's a mess. It's breaking my heart. In fact, as I say that, for some of you, you're going, I don't know how we got there. You know, forget about making it great. I, I just would like to know how to make it work. Friends, there's a way, and it's the way of the tax collector. It's to come before God, humble, wrecked heart, realizing that there's nothing you can do. It's actually acknowledging to God, God, you've done more than I deserve. You've done more than than I can even earn. And I am not worthy. But God, without you in this situation, I'm lost. It's hopeless. And friends, when you empty yourself of yourself, that gets God's attention. That touches God's heart. And here's, here's what I know. You are in the best position to receive God's grace and God's power in your life. You're in the best position to be used by God when you humble yourself. Spiritual pride? Spiritual pride's about my glory. It's about me what I've done, how I measure up, what I deserve. But humility is about God's glory. It's about emptying myself of myself. I mean, how do do you humble yourself? Well, confession will keep you humble. You know, confessing your sins to a brother or sister, saying, man, I struggle here. That keeps you humble. You know, serving other people, that helps you stay humble in in your life because you realize that they have struggles like you have struggles as you serve others and get to know them. You know, a, a heart of gratitude. You know, realizing that everything, everything that you have is a gift from God, that will help you stay humble. And here's some, some questions I would challenge you with that'll help you stay humble. You know, when, you, when you're experiencing that, that inward emotion that leads to the big shot mentality, you know, ask yourself this in that moment. Is this about my glory? Is this about lifting my name up so other people look and go, wow, what a guy? Or is it about God's glory? Is it about lifting up God's name? You know, for instance, uh, when you get that better than attitude. Ask yourself that. Is this about my glory or God's glory? When you get that I deserve outlook, I deserve that. This isn't right. Is this about my glory or God's glory? When you have that flash, I'm a little superior. 
Is it about my glory or God's glory? Those are good questions. Spiritual pride, friends, it's real. It's destructive. We all deal with it on some level. If you're sure you're kind of exempt, come talk to me. I'll help you. We all deal with this stuff. And I will tell you, it keeps you from experiencing the power of God in a significant way in your life. It keeps God from working in and through you the way he wants to. And friends, I am not speaking as someone that has it all together. I'm still a work in progress, and I will be till I take my last breath. But here's the good news. See, I know some of you walked in here today, and you've already been humbled. You know, you're already feeling that you've been beaten down. You know, and maybe, maybe it was you, you were humbled by something in life that happened. Maybe a situation humbled you. You know, maybe a choice you made humbled you. In fact, if you were honest, you go, it humiliated me. Maybe like the tax collector. You came in here this morning thinking, God, if you do not intervene, if you don't get active in my life, I am hopeless. The good news, God wants to intervene. God wants to give hope. God wants to extend mercy and forgive and give you power in your life. You know, dealing, dealing with spiritual pride, though, you got to be willing to let God work in you. And it's a little bit like uh, peeling an onion. You know, the, the fact is, God peels back a layer in your life. And so you look at that layer, and God says, you need to work on this. You ever had that moment? Something in your life, and you think, oh, yeah, I need to, I need to work on that. And so you work on it, and in that moment, God just speaks to you, and you go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to deal with this. Well, the fact is, you deal with it, and then you go, you know what, God? No more. Whoever was sleeping just woke up. <laughs> but God peels another layer. He goes, you, you really need to take a look at that. In fact, God's speaking to someone right now. And friends, you take a look and you work on it and you get rid of it. Each time you're making more space for God. And God will peel layer after layer. He's been doing it with me for 50 years. And at some point, you let God peel enough layers, you make a lot of space for God. And then one day you look and you go, you know what, I'm living for God's glory in my life. I start looking a little bit more like Jesus. And that's what happens when God works through us and in us. And we're willing to say, you know what, I'm a sinner. Jesus said this, Matthew records, he says, in the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify who? 
your Father in heaven. Ah, that's a different focus. Friends, God has called you. God has equipped you. And he wants to use you to bring glory to his name. But spiritual pride, it leaves no room for God. Friends, when we humble ourselves, empty ourselves of ourselves, and that's, that's a process. But when you do that, you put yourself in a perfect position to be filled with God's grace, to experience God's power, to be used by God, and to bring glory to God's name. And that's what we're called to do. And so we're going to humble ourselves before God. I'd ask you to stand, and we're going to empty ourselves out this morning. God, be merciful to me. God, be merciful to us. We are sinners. And God, I just pray right now your Holy Spirit would just um, point to that thing, that issue. that thing that we need to address. Arrogance, spiritual pride, the way we look down on someone, things we look to and go, oh, I've got this one together. I'm a lot better than most. God, I pray you would just help us see that in our lives. God, we need you in our life. God, without you, there is no hope. God, I know there are some here today that uh, there is something pressing. And they've hit that point that they realize they can't fix it. God, I pray your Holy Spirit would just whisper that they would experience your guidance and your power that God, as they lay it down and say, God, I am a sinner. There's nothing I deserve here, but please, God, move. That God, they would experience your grace and your mercy and your strength. God, you have created fearfully and wonderfully every person here. And God, I pray that when we look, that we realize everything we have it's a gift from you. We don't deserve anything, but you have blessed. God, help us to keep a pure heart. God, use us. Help us to make a difference in this world. And God, may our light shine before the people around us. And as we humble ourselves, that your name would be exalted. God, we give you the glory. We give you the praise this day and every day. And God's people said, there'll be prayer teams down front to, to pray and uh, go and have a good day. God bless. 